Hi, I'm Goldie Hyder of the Business Council of Canada, and you're listening to a special episode of Speaking of Business, conversations with Canadian innovators, entrepreneurs, and business leaders. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we're reaching out to Canadian CEOs to find out how businesses across the country are being affected by the emergency and how they, as leaders, are responding. Our first three episodes featured Michael McCain of Maple Leaf Foods, Dax De Silva of Lightspeed, and Stephen Liptrap of Morneau Chappelle. You can listen to all three of those wherever you find podcasts, or of course, visit our site, speakingofbiz.ca. That's biz with a Z. My guest today is Tabitha Bull, newly appointed President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. The Council's mission is to build bridges between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal peoples, businesses, and communities across Canada. Welcome, Tabitha. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for making the time and, and for your leadership. I mentioned you're newly appointed CEO, but you've, of course, been with the organization uh, for a while, and we've had a chance to work together, and I want to thank you for that collaboration. Thank you. It has been great. Well, let's dig in. Of course, we're in these unprecedented times, and I'm wondering whether you could shed some light for our listeners on what are the unique challenges that Aboriginal businesses are facing at this time that perhaps others aren't? So definitely, uh, we are seeing some unique challenges. Um, Aboriginal businesses, one of the biggest challenges that they face is access to capital and financing. Around 20% actually use traditional banking. So definitely access to capital and liquidity, you know, similar to other businesses, but without having that direct access to a financial institution or a relationship, that has been a bit of a unique concern. That's an amazing stat. 20%, you said only use sort of traditional banking. What do the other 80% do? So for private businesses, you know, some are definitely funded through the Aboriginal financial institutions across the country, but a number of small businesses are funded through personal savings or retained earnings. So that definitely provides a difficult cash flow situation for a number of those. Yeah, well, that would be a real stretch these days, I would imagine, given the lack of revenues coming in. Yes, exactly. So we are working um, with the financial institutions and BDC and EDC to see how we can um, help make those connections a little bit stronger. And what's your sense been in terms of how the federal government and those programs, um, EDC and BDC in particular, have been able to address the gap? So we're having regular conversations with federal government and finance on how we can make sure that we can help assist in making those connections. And both BDC and EDC have been good partners of CCAB. So we're working quite closely with them. And I think we're going to be able to come to a solution that will definitely help. Um, We're not quite there yet, but as we all know, things are changing very quickly every day. Yeah, this must be a real challenge in terms of juggling the the relationships with with governments and businesses and stakeholders at the same time. Certainly, I'm yeah. feeling that way. <laughs> it definitely has been very busy first two weeks. All right. Well, look, one of the other issues in addition to financing and liquidity that you spoke about that is occurring, and, and it's common, it's not restricted to any one business, but the issue of supply chains. I can only imagine that the issue of supply chains for businesses that are in remote regions are even more reliant on there being some consistent definitions of what are essential services and the use of the guidance being given to to how these goods can be moved. What are you hearing? What are you feeling about the supply chains for these businesses, particularly in your case, the Aboriginal businesses that are very remote? Yeah, so definitely from a, a rural and remote perspective, we have been pushing to ensure that supply chains not only continue in urban centers, but also to rural and remote 
We have been doing an online survey over social media of Indigenous businesses. And currently, they're still finding that the biggest impact has been on travel to their businesses. And that also from being rural, able to network and build your business without travel is very difficult. But supply chain has been about 13% of what they're finding as the main impacts to businesses right now. The other major impact is definitely infrastructure from a broadband perspective. Mm-hmm. That's similar across to rural businesses as well. But specifically, if you know, you're working from home and that's on a First Nation or in a rural setting, it's a lot more difficult. I think we're all having trouble with our internet, even in the city. So um, that's been a real challenge for businesses. Yeah, there's no question. The uh, the usage has probably gone through the roof. I can certainly say in our own home, having everybody here, it's like we literally schedule now, you know, <laughs> we need to use the Wi-Fi. Yes. It's a reminder of the essential service that that is and how lucky we are to have had some of the investments that have been made. And I know in the case of a company like Telus, for example, deep relationships with the Indigenous communities on these issues. Yes, Rogers, we've seen, has done some great work as well. And we have been talking to Indigenous businesses about how we can help them move, particularly those in retail trade, to an e-commerce platform. But one of the challenges will definitely be the infrastructure. Right. These moments are also revealing, right? They kind of point out where the gaps are and how they can be filled. Then you get a chance to start laying the markers for life after. And we know there's going to be a life after and that things are going to be you know, good again. But hopefully some good comes from all of this as well in terms of being able to address some of these gaps that you've identified. Definitely. And I think, you know, from an optimistic point of view as well, I, we found that uh, government has been quite proactive in understanding the unique needs and gaps of Indigenous businesses, which, you know, in this time and at every crisis, there's an opportunity. So I think this has been an opportunity for us to really demonstrate what the needs are and to build those strong relationships with corporate Canada as well for them to, you know, look to see what they can do to increase their own supply chains from Indigenous businesses. Right. Well, I'm encouraged to hear that on all fronts. I think that this is a, you know, that hashtag we're in this together has never been more true than than uh, realizing that we really are in this together and that it's not, and it's not whether, you know, government knows best or business knows best or stakeholders know best. We all bring something to that table. So I'm really encouraged by what you're saying. And speaking of being encouraged this morning, you know, uh, we're taping this on the 30th of March here. Um, you know, we had a new announcement from the federal government with respect to the wage subsidy program to keep people employed and make sure that businesses are able to survive uh, during this emergency. We got a lot more detail from the prime minister this morning, and our reaction at the Business Council was very positive uh, to what we heard. How do you feel about what you heard? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased with that announcement as well. I did have some conversations with the federal government about you know, we need to also look at large businesses, particularly in our case, particularly those who have really shown leadership in employing Indigenous people. And how do we ensure that we're keeping those people employed? And there are some large Indigenous businesses as well that don't fit in the SME category that had reached out to me over the weekend and said, you know, we employ a lot of Indigenous people in this area and we need to ensure that we can keep uh, that employment up and not have to... Um, instead put the resources into the community, I think the resources into keeping people employed uh, in the long run will be better for the economy. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I mean, look, uh, I am very empathetic to the fact that the government finds itself in an unprecedented situation and is drinking from a fire hose and they've had to work their way through a number of uh, initiatives and programs. 
but this is encouraging that they've turned their attention to some of these larger businesses now. I think this week will be mostly about that because, um, you know, those supply chains rely on those large businesses. And I think that applies to the Indigenous businesses as much as it does others. Now, I know that, um, you know, when we recently spoke, you mentioned that one of the things you've started to do is survey your members to kind of keep tabs on on what they're seeing, what they're hearing, how they're feeling. Can you just share with our listeners as perhaps a, a wrap-up question to you, but what are you asking them and what sort of responses have you been getting back so far? So originally, uh, our survey was simpler. We were just, we were asking, what's the impact? Is it severe or not? And we have had that survey out for about two weeks and we've seen from the beginning on March 12th, businesses that are very or somewhat concerned has gone up to 90% from 75. So definitely as this pandemic continues, the impact and the concern of businesses is growing every day. We are putting out a new survey uh, today, actually, that will ask more specifically around the economic impact that they are feeling and have felt to date, and also which businesses have the ability to retool and answer the government's call to combat COVID-19 and what type of stimulus they would require in order to do that. So we're really focusing in on how we get those businesses continuity through this. Your remarks triggered a couple of other quicks. I'm going to sneak in another couple here if I can. But first of all, I'd like to ask you, uh, on a very personal level, how how has this impacted you or your life in any way? You know, definitely taking on the CEO role at the same time that uh, we went to remote workforce uh, has been a challenge for sure. And you know, while we thought without travel, maybe we'd have a little bit of extra time. Uh, I think we're all uh, drinking through a fire hose. I'm sure you are as well. But I know we have a, a staff call every day, and um, our staff is all feeling busier than they ever have been. I will say that we have an incredible team at CCAB and they have adapted so quickly to working remotely and to answering the number of questions that are coming in. Personally, my parents aren't, aren't well and they're home at Nipissing First Nation. And um, so it's a bit tough not to be able to see them for sure. I think everybody's feeling that way. I had hoped to be able to go home and work from my community for this period, but I've been advised not to. So that's a bit tough and tough on the kids for sure. Well, look, I mean, I know you've got a great team there. I know you're going to make for, you know, a really successful leader and I, I wish you and your, your parents well. I, I wonder, because you mentioned your parents and, and, and I know the role of elders in your community and your culture. Um, what can we learn from the elders in terms of how you manage through a crisis like this? Because it's certainly not the first one they've ever seen. And I think I, I personally feel that there's a lot of wisdom that comes from different cultures and different communities. So what can we learn from the elders here? I think I think we can all learn the importance of our elders. And we're all feeling that in knowing that COVID uh, is much more difficult for our elders. So ensuring that we're focusing on, on helping them and helping them through this crisis is, is so important because if we lose our elders, we will lose so much in terms of our culture and teachings and, and art and I think it's a time for us all to reflect that we really should be trying to be a sponge to their knowledge and also taking the time to spend time with them. And I think that's um, something that is very important in Indigenous culture. And maybe um, all of us are learning the importance of that a little bit more. I can't think of a better place to end uh, than that. That's uh, wise words. And we appreciate you taking the time today, Tabitha. Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us for another special episode. Uh, speaking of business, we'll be back with some more. Thanks again for listening.